Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. To the two minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 57. My name is Felipe Leon here on Block Talk Radio, forward slash two minute round. And with me, like always, is my co host, the legendary Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing today? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Thank you very much. And here we are, another week where we're going to spend some time talking about female boxing. Um, the, I think the sport is starting to pick up. We've we've had a pretty good 2018, and now it's looking to have a pretty good 2019. There's some early fights already announced for the first trimester, and I think uh, in 2019, in about 15 minutes, we are going to have a special guest, Rodney Cruz Hunt who is a promoter. He promotes a number of women in his stable, and they are going to be fighting this weekend in Tijuana, Mexico. He's going to be talking about that card with us. And among other things regarding female boxing, but until then, we will get started with the fight results and um, go over some of the fights. There wasn't that many, but there were some important fights that happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, in the world of female boxing. Before we do that, let me just share the number. If you guys want to call in and talk female boxing with us, you can. The number is 323-580-5735. Again, 323-580-5735. That's the number you could call in and talk some female boxing with us if you wish to do so. But starting off on Saturday, January the 12th in Mexico City, this was the first Fight Card of the Year presented on the Azteca Channel, one of the two major uh, terrestrial networks in Mexico, and they began their 2019 boxing season with an all-female fight card televised live on Saturday night primetime in Mexico, and it started off with Solina Munoz retiring Areli Valente in the fifth round of a Schedule 10 at 115 pounds. Solina Munoz, La Loba, uh, was a former WBC super flyweight champion, and uh, she had a, about a year and a half hiatus uh, because of the birth of her second daughter. But now she is back uh, looking to reclaim what is hers, and that is the WBC 115-pound title. And in the main event, Silvia Torres, the younger sister of Ana Maria Torres, the legendary Ana Maria Torres, scored a fifth round, also TKO, stopping Nordelli's Graterol in, ten, in, a, in the fifth round of a scheduled eight-rounder at light flyweight. So I think, David, with Selena Munoz coming back, it kind of makes it interesting and more exciting that 115-pound division. Uh, because I think, and we're going to get to uh, what happened uh, in the last couple of weeks also in that division, that Selena Munoz will be a, a, a fighter that will be willing to face Amanda Serrano in that weight class if Serrano ends up staying there, which I doubt. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, uh, Amanda said that she was not going to stay at that fight. At that weight, it was a little too much uh, for more than once. But 
the Riva did look very good, very strong. I was actually a little surprised at her strength. She just seemed to just power right here at Ellie. Well, and one thing that I think Selena would want first is look for that for that fight against Guadalupe Martinez. And the fact she was she expressed in some interviews that the WBC informed her that she is basically she could basically call out and ask for a straight challenge of the world title that Guadalupe Martinez uh, beat her for as soon as she feels ready. So she mentioned before the fight that she was going to take this fight as a measuring stick, see how she felt after the year and a half uh, break in her career. And then depending on how she felt, she was going to look for another get ready fight or she was going to ask for that opportunity right away. Yeah, she looked very strong. Very, very strong. Now, moving on to Thursday, January 17th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, Mayweather Promotions presented Leila MacArthur scoring a unanimous decision over Yamila Reynoso and Nate Rounder at 147 pounds. The scores were 99-90 and 98-91 two times. And MacArthur herself admitted before the fight that this was a stay-busy fight. She's trying to look for a bigger name, perhaps Cecilia Breakhouse, perhaps somebody else. Um, but the one thing that Reynoso had in her favor is that she had never been knocked out, and MacArthur was going to look to do that. And she, and obviously Reynoso proved to be a lot tougher than people thought because she ended up going the full eight rounds against MacArthur. I believe you were in the house for that one, David? Uh, yes, I was. Um, Layla MacArthur, I mean, she hit her with some big shots. I mean, on the button. She set her up at least four times, and Yamila Reynoso went right through it. I mean, like nothing. And I've seen Layla McCullough knock out 154-pound world champions. So, I mean, it, it told me a lot that Reynoso is very good. After the fight, Layla says that, you know what, that girl's going to win a world title. She goes, she's tough. She goes, she can take a punch. And uh, she obviously can. She also fought Amanda Serrano just last month and went uh, 10 rounds with her in that, that instance. Mm. Well, that that's, that says something. As far as Amanda Serrano, what did she say as far as, as the future? I mean, is there anything uh, in the horizon for her? Uh, for Amanda? No, uh, for Layla. Uh, well, Layla's shooting for Katie Taylor, but she knows that she, there's a line behind her, and it's really up to the zone. But she also mentioned that if there's a, a an opening, she would like to fight Jessica McCaskill. She feels that Jessica's a very good fighter. She has a lot of credibility, and a fight between them two would be uh, fireworks. Uh, she she said she was impressed what she did against Erica Fari, uh, Farias, and uh, she thought that right there she she's proven herself to be elite. Well, when Rick uh, Ramos and, and Jessica McCaskill were on the show with us a couple months ago, they did mention that they had an agreement with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing USA and in, in – and it's somewhat with the zone. They mentioned that it wasn't really a, a something on paper, but it was more of a handshake deal. So if it was going to happen, it would have to happen on the zone because they would be the ones that would have enough right. uh, of a budget to to put it together. And it would have to be more of a uh, of the defense, Jessica McCaskill defending her at WBC title, more than the fact that Leila McCarter is, is challenging McCaskill. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. The zone's in control. Uh, the other thing to consider is that Layla wants a certain amount of money. 
she's not going to fight for $10,000 or something yeah, like well, that. <clears throat> so, so even if the zone opposite, they got to come with the right figures. The, the women are, you know, basically tired of getting uh, the uh, the uh, chump change, and uh, they're they, they're making a stand right now because they mm-hmm. see them and making a lot of money. Well, we'll see. We'll see if that that fight can uh, materialize, or if anything, Layla gets another big name, had, like she's been looking for. But unfortunately, she has been staying busy with these kind of fights, you know, in, in ballrooms in Vegas with no television that they, they get streamed on Facebook. Uh, and that's the only exposure that she's getting. And that doesn't really help toward getting a big, a big name fight. The next night on fri- Friday, January 18th, uh, at the Madison Square Garden, quite possibly one of the biggest uh, stages in the world of boxing and on the zone, Amanda Serrano did what everybody expected and, and knocked out Eva Vorenberger in the first round, 35 seconds in the first round, big, almost the, the, the first and only punch that Serrano landed, which was a body shot, which ended up uh, uh, hurting Vorenberger. I, I think that she ended up getting a strained rib, if not a broken rib. And with that, Serrano um, captures the vacant WBO 115-pound title, giving her seven titles in as many divisions and, and breaking uh, somewhat of a record, breaking her own record because the record before in the female fighting was six held by her. Now, yeah. as far as my opinion of what happened, um, it was exactly what I thought it was going to happen and exactly what, um, now I didn't think it was going to be that fast, but I thought she was going to knock yeah. her out. But I thought that the, the bigger fight, the bigger challenge was, and we mentioned this on the, sh- on the previous show on episode 56, that, the biggest challenge was going to be Serrano making the weight, which he did. She actually was a couple ounces, if not a little bit more, under 115. She was like 114 and change. Um, yeah. And as far as Eva Vorberger, the challenge wasn't all going to be all there. And Serrano looked huge. I think it, I think she showed a picture of her weighing in before the fight, and she was like a little bit over 130 pounds, David. Oh, is that right? I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw a picture on social media where I think she had posted it before the fight and she was like like one thirty one, one thirty two, something like that. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think I, I think I could find it. Um but she was pretty yeah, pretty that, big. And it, it was evident that she was a lot bigger than Vorberger inside the ring. I, I know that there's a movement by all the sanctioning organizations to stop uh uh fighters from weighing more than Ten percent of what they weighed uh, the next day. Um, I was at a meeting where they all met together, everybody, including the uh, California State Athletic Commission, and that, there was a movement to stop that. They don't want people to be doing that anymore. Yeah, that's it, by it the uh, yeah, that's by the ABC, which is the Associated Body of Boxing Commissions here in the United States, and basically they pass rules where if um, one commission suspends a fighter, then all the other commissions respect that suspension and so on and so forth. And that's the rule that, that you're mentioning that they would try to implement boxing commissions in the yeah. United States. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the picture right now. She weighed in 132.8. Okay. So, so with, and then also another interesting thing that happened uh, regarding this fight was a, a, a an article that came out, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, David, I'm sure you did, re, with the, some statements from 
um, Raja Amashe, who was the previous WBO 115-pound champion, and she was stripped of that title because she hurt her hand and she wasn't able to defend it, and she was stripped of it by the by the uh, WBO, and then obviously Serrano was given the opportunity to fight for it uh, against Eva Borenberger, and then uh, get the uh, get the title. Did you get a chance to read that article? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, um, let me see if I can find it, and we and I can kind of just give you the gist of it, uh, and and the gist of it of uh, her. Um, well, the title of it it was um, it was to give credit where credit is due is by Jake Donovan uh, on BoxingScene.com, and the title of it Raja Machet states I feel like Amanda Serrano and the WBO stole my title. So basically, she is she explains um, <clears throat> that, uh, and I'm gonna quote here. She said, "When we were first told by the WBO that the next fight would be versus Amanda Serrano, we were excited." Um, I find that hard to believe, but let's go with that. But her team came in with the argument that as a yeah, but her team came in with the argument that as a super champion she could challenge anyone in any division. I didn't understand the procedure right. or had or had even heard of it, but it was always but I was but I was always willing to fight her in March. I have an inflammation in my left hand which needs to be treated, and according to the WBO rules, have six months to next defend my title, which my last fight, September 14, 2008, will be in March. Okay, David? So she, according to her, she's saying she's willing to face her, right? But that she mm-hmm. has six months, which is true. If you, if, if, usually, usually the way that the sanctioned bodies work is that, you know, you got from six to nine months to defend the title, and you could go from fighting a, your mandatory, right, or a voluntary defense. In the case of the WBO, we don't even know who the mandatory is because they don't have ranked fighters. So we don't even know who their right. number one is or anything like that. So um, so that would give us six months from September to March to, to, do, to do it. But according to WBO, they weren't willing to do that. They stripped her. And, and according to this article, she mentions Jordan Maldonado, who is the trainer slash manager, that he pushed um, for, the, her, for the, her to be stripped because they wanted Amanda to fight in January, obviously, and for it to be for that title, which goes along with the timeline that Eddie Hearn had put for that Katie Taylor fight in the fall. Basically, the timeline is she fought in January, then she fought sometime in the summer, and then she fought uh, Katie Taylor in the fall with those three fights that she signed on for the zone. Yeah, I um, I mean, I I understand what's going on. Uh, the the fact they don't have any rankings that that really muddles up everything because there's no rankings, there's no real set plans, and so basically the WBO can do whatever they want. And it's a matter of money too. Amanda's bringing more money than Raja is, and uh, in the United States, for, in the United I, States, I, I shouldn't even say that though. Yeah, because I really don't know States. about Germany. Yeah, but uh, Raja, I believe she's she she fights on TV in Germany, and I, I, I but mm-hmm. I mean Amanda's not gonna go to the United States. I don't think they would offer her enough money to go to the United States uh, and 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 fight for the title. So you know, if anybody's interested, the article is really interesting and it has a lot more uh, a lot more uh, 
you know, tidbits regarding the whole situation. Basically, Raja puts it all out there and says, you know, how much money, well, not exactly how much, but the split that because Amanda Serrano is a super champion, she will be entitled to a 75-25 split in her favor, even though she's a challenger, according to the WBO rules. So, so you know, it all it's all in there. So if you guys uh, Google boxing scene, Raja Mache. Amanda Serrano, WBO, it should come out, and you should and you can read that article, which is very very interesting. So, we, as I mentioned, um, uh, Amanda Serrano KO the first ever Vorberger last Friday, January 18th. Time was 35. She wins her seventh title in the seventh division. And lastly, on Saturday, January 19th, from the Struer Arena in Struer, Denmark, Dina Torsland defends her 122-pound WBO title, another WBO title, against Alicia Graf with the unanimous decision, 100 to 92 times in 99-91, which seemed to be a little bit of a war there, Torsland. I saw some pictures. I didn't get a chance to see the fight yet, but it looks like Torsland yeah. ended up pretty bloody in that fight, and now she she continues to be the 122-pound champion. Now, with us, uh, like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, we have our special guest, uh, promoter uh, of, of uh, fighters, and some of them being female, and they do have a fight card this weekend here in Tijuana, Mexico, where some of his female fighters are going to fight. So with us is Mr. Ronnie Cruz Hunt. Let me patch him in. Hello, Ronnie. How you doing? Guys, how are you getting up people this evening? Good. Well, thank you for being with uh, with us here in the two-minute round. You're a hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. And I'm going to pass the baton to none other than Mr. David Avila. David. Rod, how you doing, Rod? I'm well, Dave. Thank you, buddy. I hope you're doing well as well. Everything's good. Everything's good. Uh, so um, tell us the name of your uh, promotion company and uh, what you have coming up next. Okay, well, Dave, it's GM3. I'm going to use the acronym for Get Money, but it's really not. It's just global media, global marketing. But um, basically, but Dave, you know I've seen you for over the years. I've worked with Dan Goosen really, really closely over the years, promoting some bigger fighters, let's say Andre Ward, Chris Ariola, Josecito Lopez, Paul Williams, Rico Ramos, John Molina. There's a long list of fighters, but when Dan passed away, rest in peace, I decided I was just going to do things differently on my own. And like with him, I started social media with boxing. And I figured that, you know what, instead of doing all these gyms and things, let me do it on my own on a grassroots effort and then just grow expeditiously. I still work closely with some of the big promoters and some of the big fighters. But you know what, from champion to contender, they all need to have their place. And I want to give them that place. Now in Mexico... I'm taking female fighters as well as male fighters on the card. And to be direct with you, my fighter, Aida Satibadinova from Kazakhstan, was the first female fighter that I've ever worked with. But after her, it changed my mind completely about working with female fighters. They're so exciting and they're so persistent in their training. They're not lazy. They want to fight. And you know what? I've never seen a female boxing match that wasn't exciting. So I became, I became a huge fan, not just of my fighter with Aida Sadibadinova, but other female fighters alike. So we're calling this fight, it's a battle at the border that I'm doing with Monroy Gonzalez of Gonzalez Promotions, but this is also a ladies' night. We've got like 
four or five ladies on the card tonight, and they're all great fighters, too. Name all the, the fighters that are going to be in your card, the female fighters. Well, I, I sent you a long list of the fighters, you know, and they so changed. Have... Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Rod. Yeah, I've got a list of fighters that are on here. Let me put on my glasses so I can make sure I'm reading them right for you. I, we've got Aida Sati Badanova. We've got Anjelica. I'm trying to get another great fighter on the card also named Michaela. She says to me she's bad. We've got some um we've got four fighters on the show. I'm trying to read them all to you. Denise Lopez, Veronica Datella, Kenya Kenya Enriquez. Now I, it's not the Kenya Enriquez that we all think about, right? But it's still it's another. So I've got five fighters on this card right now. And all of them are just guaranteed barn burners, so to speak. So, so tell us, uh, what made you venture into Mexico? Well, well, you know, to be honest with you, me being Cuban, all a, a lot of great fighters come out of Cuba, of course. But, you know, we don't get a chance to get over here like the Mexican fighters can, right? Because of the embargo and the, the problem with the – we have really – we don't have a border problem. We have an ocean problem. Game back and forth, but you know you have some serious, serious fighters in Mexico that are just synonymous for great fighters. And you know, other than Canelo, and you know we've got Jaime right now also from TJ. We need to have some more great Mexican fighters, and the Mexican fighters are always gritty, always gritty. And what I there was this thing about people always thought, oh, if you go into Mexico, you buying a fight, you're going to pay to win. That is so far from the truth. I took another fighter down there once. I, you actually met her, David. Tanami, Japanese fighter. I took her to Mexico, and she lost a, uh, a decision for a championship fight. I took another heavyweight down there. He lost and got knocked out. So I wanted to change the conception of Mexico. American fighters going to Mexico, paying for fights and getting easy wins. Because that's not the case. And so I figured the best way to change that conception is to have quality fights and a quality venue as well as putting these fights on stream so people can watch these fights as well. So I'm working on getting my stream together for each fight that happens from here on out. So that brings me to the question. Of why don't you talk about your background, right? Uh, a lot of people don't know who you are. I do, uh, but other people like Felipe and... and our listeners out there, they really don't know, you know, how such a background is, where you come from, uh, and uh, where you grew up. Okay, well, I mean, I'm a Bay Area guy, Oakland. Kind of a little different being Cuban in Oakland. So um, <laughs> I just always start fighting young. And then I didn't have to fight too many times after a while. You know, my dad was on the Cuban boxing team years ago when he, before he did, they defected over here. And um, my boxing background... I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area, went to college in the Bay Area. I work for CBS Television here in Los Angeles. I do the boxing stuff, like when Manny Pacquiao fights, they send me to the Philippines for Pacquiao, to Vegas for the big fights. And boxing and MMA has just been my passion since I was a little boy. So I worked out the deal with Dan Goose, and I talked. In 2007, I went to Bob Arum. Dan Goosen and Oscar De La Hoya all within the same week here in Los Angeles at different press conferences. 
as my TV station wasn't moving, and you, somebody's moving around there in the background on the microphone, but my TV station wasn't um, covering their press conferences. And so I'm like, well, let me just go cover these press conferences because I know these fighters are great. I knew the fighters. So I went to them and I said, listen, let's start doing social media for your fighters because UFC is killing you with social media. And all of them told me that Tube is just a fad. It won't last. Social media, who cares about social media? And now look right now. Most fighters' careers are gauged off of social media if you want to get on television. So I can't say that I'm clairvoyant or I knew the future, but I was just younger than the other traditional promoters. And in working in television, I figured, why not gel both together? So, you know, great kudos to companies like The Zone and other companies that are streaming right now. But I can say, honestly, I did my first stream in 2000 with a singer named uh, Shaka Khan, an international icon, and Nate Dogg and a comedian um, in Los Angeles here in 2000. People didn't even have high-speed internet. So it's a new trend, but it's not a new trend. And I think the best way, for me at least, moving forward, promoting and managing fighters. I manage the fighters here in the States, and I promote them internationally in United, in Mexico and in Australia. So what I'm trying to do right now, basically, is give these fighters a, a place to fight and really showcase their skills. And I think Mexico is a great hotbed, especially Tijuana. We've had some great champions that have come out of Tijuana. And it's just a hotbed of talent. And what better place to go than right there when we develop these fighters. I can call some of these big people. I can call your Heymans or your Golden Boys or your top ranks and say to them, let these guys fight your fighters. They're not going to always be a B-side fighter. They're going to have a, their own following. They're going to be worthy. Look at Jeff Horn. I'll give you one example. Jeff Horn, 16-1-1, fought my good friend Manny Pacquiao. Who the hell thought Jeff Horn was going to beat Manny Pacquiao? But Jeff Horn beat Manny Pacquiao with a big payday for 500 grand for himself. Then he came back and he lost, Terrence, lost to Terrence Crawford. But is there any shame to say you, you lost to Terrence Crawford, as good as Terrence Crawford is as a fighter? Jeff Horn can still move his career heavy from here after that. So I'm just trying to give our guys a, a good place to fight. That's all. Speaking of streaming, are you going to be streaming the fight, uh, fight card on Saturday? I'm good. I had a streaming company to work this stream for me this time. Um, I'm going to have to stream the next fight, February 23rd, and that fight's going to be NTG at the Municipal Auditorium. The streaming company that I was doing last time, uh, this fight, they fell through, and I'm instead of me trying to put something together haphazardly, I'd rather wait until the next one. Oh, okay, I see. But I'm going to. This is what I am going to do, though, because you know I'm into social media and everything. All the fighters that are into social media as well. Um, I'm going to have all the fighters are going to put the fights on their social media live. So, like as an example, Felix and. She's going to put hers on live. Aida will have hers on live. Every fighter has a social media on Instagram or Facebook or something. So each one of those fighters are going to help self-promote themselves also and stream it live as it happens. How did you meet Aida Sari Bolinova? And tell us about her because she's very interesting. 
For people that don't know who she is, she, she comes from Kazakhstan. And uh, I'll let Rob tell you the rest of the story. Okay, well, Aida, I was, when I was working with Dan Goosen, again, RIP, because Dan was a great promoter to me and a great person. Um, we end up going to Kazakhstan to promote a fight with Beibut Shumanov. He was the first Kazakhstan, well, the second Kazakhstan from champ, from uh, first, second champion from Kazakhstan. Jurov would have been the first one, but Beibut's the first Kazakh champion. So Aida found me on Instagram because all of her friends knew me from doing the promotion with Beibut Shumanov. And she came here with $5,000 in her pocket, her life savings, to be a professional fighter and thought, and I looked at her when she came, to, she sent me a message that I'm coming to be a professional fighter in Kazakhstan, women professional boxing is nothing, and I need an opportunity to get a chance, and I've seen you work with a lot of these great fighters over the years, and I want you to help me. And I was like, yeah, you're going to come here for $5,000, whatever. I really didn't believe her, but I get people on my social media asking me to help them every day, to be honest with you. But when she came here with her $5,000 and that fire in her spirit, it just completely changed my mind about female boxing. And I've been helping her ever since. And she's been here. She's had – she's only lost one. She's got four – she's four one and one. She had a devastating loss to uh, Selena Barras. But when she lost to Selena, it just made her have even more fire. She can't wait to fight Selena again. And I'm glad that Selena's manager and I, a good man, we worked out a rematch clause, and they'll fight again. And that's what I think the sport needs, is people who are not afraid to fight the best. And Selena, as, we, as you know, David, probably even better than I, she's an awesome fighter. I've got to give her credit. But my fighter, Aida, I've never seen anybody from the female ranks that has that type of tenacity. She can't wait to get back in there. And, again, She's on a two-win skid now, even after that loss, and she's going to fight again this weekend. And uh, Aida's just a crowd favorite. The people in TJ, they love Aida. She's like an honorary Mexicana over there in TJ, <laughs> you know, kind of like Triple G, but not even forced. It's, it's so natural and real. So when a woman comes to me and says, I've got $5,000, my life savings, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do, we made her a WBF champion after her uh, third fight, and she's going to defend her belt in March, and she's going to fight here in Los Angeles again in March. So as you've seen, Dave, because I've known you for a while with Aida, she's fought six times in a year, and, and less than a year, actually. And we're going to do the same thing next year. And we're going to be going for the WBCs and the WBOs and the WBA belts as well. I'm gonna. I put in a call to Mauricio uh, next week about trying to get her onto the WBC cards as well. Oh, that's incredible! Oh, Felicia, did you have some questions? Yeah, uh, going back to Aida. I mean, I've actually seen her fight. I actually, I think I was there at her pro debut when she fought um, the, the woman Lisa Porter. Hmm? Um, yeah, and we spoke there a little bit. David, I, I don't. Hold on. And we spoke there Somebody's a little moving bit. moving there in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, we spoke there a little bit. And one thing about her, you know, you, you mentioned that she's very tenacious. She goes forward. She fights. Um, 
she fights, she throws punches and bunches, which I, I realize that that's what the Mexican crowd likes to see, obviously. Um, but when she fought, when she fought uh, Selena Barrios, when she fought Selena Barrios, mm-hmm. obviously it was a devastating knockout loss. I mean, uh, one of the mm-hmm. most, one of the, you know, most uh, uh, eye-catching knockouts knockout. of last year. Yeah, yeah last year. Obviously, you were there. What went through your mind when you saw her, you know, fall face first onto the canvas? And did you say, you know, maybe maybe this is not what I want to be doing if it's going to – if this can happen? Well, that's an easy question, Felipe. you got to realize that I wouldn't be talking to you if I felt that way, number one. Number two, that's not the first knockout that I've seen, right? I've seen – I was there with Manny Pacquiao, a good friend of mine. I wasn't promoting Manny Pacquiao, but I was there when Manny Pacquiao got knocked. Promoting Paul Williams when Paul Williams got knocked out by Margarito. And certain fighters will get up and be better than after that knockout. And that's what I thought with Aida right then there. I was like, wow, you had a bad day. You got hit with a punch you didn't see. And your style was not good enough for Selena's style tonight. And so we went back to the drawing board. I mean, again, I saw... When she got knocked out like that, I had Paul Williams talk to her. I had mm. Manny Pacquiao from the Philippines call and talk to her too, right? And just the other day, I just took her to see Manny Pacquiao at the Wild Cards gym before he fought Broner. I took her to see Fedor Mevodinko, one of the best MMA fighters of all time today from Russia, to just earlier today. She has the mindset that, yes, I lost, I got knocked out, but it made me grow. And the same thing, as I say, with Paul Williams, that was one of the worst knockouts ever with Paul Williams and Martinez. And it was the same, it's a knockout punch that hits you that you don't see. Those are the most devastating. And in the Selena fight, that was the most devastating knockout punch that I had seen when the woman fight. Now, there may be more, but that was the worst that I saw because a fighter that I believe in got hurt, but I was so happy to see her come back. So there's always a positive from a negative if the fighter really chooses to learn and grow from it, and that's what I've seen. Because you mentioned Lisa Porter's fight. You know, Aida was here maybe two or three months. She fought twice in the amateurs because I had to see her fight in the amateurs first. And I was just like, the amateur style is just not good for you. You need to be pro. And she was what they would call the B-side. I hate when people say A and B-side. You know, there's a red and a blue corner. I don't believe in an A and B side fight, but I know people say it that way. But the point of it is, with Lisa Porter, she had a better tic-tac, knick-knack style. Aida had to just go in there and just brawl and, and take her, take her, take her, take her to the hilt. And now since that fight with Lisa Porter, since that fight with Salida, and Lisa Porter fight, by the way, was a draw, I still think that Aida to this day won that fight. I know a lot of people could say it was a draw, but I know that people booed when she got the draw. And it was one of the longest decisions that I had seen, and I've been around boxing a long time. But digressing to say, Aida learned so much from each one of those fights. She's learned now to be a better boxer, not just a brawler and a puncher. And as you mentioned earlier, Felipe, and TJ, yes, I don't think it's just TJ. I think it's synonymous for boxing fans globally. We want to see people boxing and banging, right? We don't want to see people trying to figure each other out for round after round after round. 
throwing seven, eight punches in a round. We want to see a lot of people fight and, and really be exciting for the money. And now I see a Naida who's poised. She's just as strong. She's sparring where she's throwing punches in bunches, not just trying to knock you out with one or two punches. And now, just beware, man. I'm telling you now, she's got an uppercut now where she never had before. She didn't know what an uppercut was. It's a different style. She had the Eastern European style, that Kaza style. And uh, now she's more of a well-rounded boxer. Now, since that knockout, did anything change in her camp? You know, trainer, you guys are still with the same guy, but was there, you know, you mentioned there's an emphasis in making her more of a boxer. Was that a result of what happened in that fight? Well, you know, A, it took time. That was her third or fourth fight, her fourth fight when she fought Selena. So everything happens as an evolution in fighting. Every fighter, you know, evolves as they go. But, yes, we we added to her camp a, a trainer named Danny Sanchez. Now, Danny knows female boxers. Like, I could take her to wild card and have her get trained over there. She was training with George Diaz here in Los Angeles. He's still on the training team. But the point of it is Danny Sanchez, he knows women boxing. He's trained women, but he trained his daughter. His daughter's a hell of a fighter. I don't know when she's going to turn pro, but when she turns pro, she's going to be a terror as well. But there's a special thing about training a female boxer that I really never saw have happen until I saw how they gel together. She believes Danny. She listens to Danny. And he knows how to nurture and merturate her into being a better rounded fighter. The other trainers that she had has worked with all guys all their life. Now a guy who worked with all women and meshed the two together, it's a winning combination. Okay. And now you mentioned that there's a rematch with Selena Barros. When When is that going to happen? You mentioned she's fighting in March in Los Angeles. She's fighting in Tijuana. Uh, I believe you mentioned, well, this Saturday, and I believe also in February. When do mm-hmm. we see that rematch with Selena Barros? You know, I've got to talk to Selena's manager. Um, we, I think what we would like to do, um, you know, he's a very fair man, and I, I like the heck out of those people over there, to be honest with you. And I would like to have put some more belts on the line. Aida's got the WBF belt. I think Selena had uh, a piece NABF. of uh, one of the NABF belts, right? Mm-hmm. So let's. I think what we could both do is have – like, like I probably have Aida fight for a WBC Latino belt pretty soon, right? Or depending on the rankings where we can go. And then have Selena have another belt. Now we've got more of a, a fight that's better for a rematch because there's more in tune for the fight than just a rematch where the guys are at the same level. I would like us both to have more to the pot, so to speak, if that makes sense. We both have bigger belts. We both have two belts or bigger belts to make the fight more worthy. Still fan-friendly, because Selena is not going to be a fighter who didn't. She didn't. She's not going to lose the steps, but Aida, I believe, will still gain so much more stride that the fight will be even better. But the fight was a good fight nonetheless. But I could see at that point in time, Aida's style being a Kaza fighter, Eastern European style, just straight ahead, straight ahead, straight ahead. It needed to be refined more. 
So Selena's style is pretty much the same style has just grown even more and more. Not to say that Selena hasn't grown and can grow, but I know in this rematch, you're not going to see the same result whenever this rematch happens. Do you actually believe that it happens in 2019, though? I'm shooting for it. Look, we, okay. we move. We don't believe in shelving fighters and waiting. Because, you know, I'll just be direct with you. And this is not in any way disparaging. Let me throw it out there again. It's no way disparaging. But I've had a fighter when I was promoting Andre Ward with Dan Goosen. We had like a year and a half off after a couple of times. And that just kills your momentum. When Andre Ward beat Chad Dawson, we, we were on top of the world with Andre Ward. And because you don't move and you're not staying active, that can really hurt you and your, with your fan base and your momentum. Aida is a fighter who's willing to fight two, three times a month that she has to. So in my opinion, I would love to fight Selena again in 2019. Well, there you have it, Mr. Rod uh, Cruz Hunt, who with his company, GM3 Promotions, will be promoting a fight this Saturday night uh, on the 23rd at the Tijuana Auditorium here in Tijuana, Mexico. And then we'll be doing more of those more of those um, throughout, the, throughout the year and hopefully streaming um, on Facebook and other social media. Thank you, Rod, for being with us, and uh, we hope to have you back soon. No, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. And just keep in mind, we're trying to do a fight at the end of every month at the auditorium and at the, also at this gymnasium that we're using as well, which is a great fan-friendly place too. So we'll keep it in mind, and we'll stay in, tune, in touch with you guys. Thank you guys for the call. Thank, Thank you. you Thank much, you. Rod. Okay, guys. I hope to see you and TJ, guys, one of you, or both of you. All right. How about that? Ring set. All right. Goodbye. Thank you, Rodney. All right, guys. Take care. And there you had it, Rodney Cruz Hunt, promoter, GM3 Promotions, with his fighter, Aida Satibaldonova, from Kazakhstan. And obviously, um, you know, that country is famous because of none other than uh, – Gennady Granovich Golovkin, better known as Triple G, and kind of more of an insight of what a, of a, you know, like a smaller, a smaller promoter needs to do to get his fighter out there. Obviously, on this show, we've had the, the honor and the opportunity to have uh, the biggest names in female boxing go through um, here the show. You know, obviously, we had Cecilia Breakhouse, we had Layla MacArthur, we had... Clarissa Shields, Amanda Serrano, Mariana Juarez, we had them all on the show. and But but they don't start being that big. They, I mean, some of them do, Clarissa did, and, and some of them don't do, but some of them have to start at the club level, which this is where we're at. And, you know, there's female fighters also that, that fight at the club level, you know. Even that fight between uh, Serena Barrios and Aida Satibaldova, which you and I were very excited about when we heard it was going to happen, but we had to scramble to see if we could find a stream for it because it's not being televised like the bigger names in the sport, David. Yes, exactly. That's the only problem. But but now the people are getting a little more uh, uh, ex- they're getting expertise in streaming, and now they think about it all the time. So that that's the good thing about uh, boxing now in 2019. Yes, it is. Now, moving on to a couple of notes uh, re- before we move on to the upcoming calendar. It was it was um, announced today that on March 15th on The Zone, Miss Katie Taylor, who just had a fight 
uh, last December 15th, beating the 130-pound champion Eva Wallstrom, will be looking to unify the WBO title against his champion, Rose Volante. Right now, Taylor has the WBA and IBF titles against Rose Volante, who's undefeated Argentinian by birth, but lives and fights out of Brazil, is a WBO champion. She has defended the title twice, but now they will be facing each other with the winner being the owner of three belts, and the only belt left uh, left to grab is that WBC belt uh, held by Delphine Persoon from Belgium. So, David, uh, pretty exciting and and pretty uh, – it's a good surprise that Taylor stays busy. I mean, she just fought in, 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 in December, and now she's fighting again in March. Yeah, that's very impressive. And it's really good for women's boxing that, that the top women continue fighting all the time. Uh, Volante is uh, – I've never really seen her fight. All I know is that she packs a lot of power, and most of her fights end in knockouts. So yeah, that's pretty good. That's what you want. You want somebody that has a puncher's chance at least, and Taylor has that speed. Uh, you know, it's a great great matchup. And, and good thing you mentioned that because she fought on December 15th. She's going to be fighting in March. Now, um, Clarissa hasn't made it official but she did. But she has kind of alluded to the fact that she's going to be coming back in April after fighting on December eighth, and she will be right. facing Christina Hammer in that fight that was supposed to happen last fall, and because of Christina Hammer's uh, medical condition, wasn't a, 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 wasn't it wasn't it didn't happen. Now you had the opportunity to talk to Clarissa in Las Vegas this last weekend. Uh, she was there to support or at least be in the house for the Adri- uh, Manny Pacquiao Adrian Broner fight. Uh she was all oh. over Showtime. She was all over Showtime. Uh the broadcast they were showing her there. Um you had a, t- a chance to talk to her. The article is up on the pricefighters.com which was a great article. Congratulations David. Um I never had the chance to meet her. You met her a couple times. The first time I think you met her you just kind of like said hi at the StubHub Center um in LA. She was there for a fight. But this time you actually got to sit sit down with her. Actually, you sat down with her at uh, uh, at a restaurant as well too in uh, L.A. Right? Right. right. Yeah, was so this... There was a, a dozen of us then. Yeah, that was like a round table of pre- uh, press, right? But this time it was more one on one, I imagine. Yes, yes, it was. It was pretty uh, good. I really got to to truly learn a lot about what she knows. She was also present at the Layla McCarter fight, and she made mm. some really expert observations on that fight. And it, it really told me a lot about her boxing IQ. She really has a high IQ. She saw things that most fighters don't see. Uh, most fighters only know what they know, but she knows different styles. She knows different strategies. She knows exactly what Layla was doing. She commented that Layla made the fight that she didn't have to fight or she didn't want to fight, that the Argentine girl didn't know uh, didn't know how to attack her, that the only reason they would exchange is when Layla allowed her to exchange. She said that Layla just basically controlled her from second to second. And uh, that kind of told me a lot that how much she really knows about boxing. Her IQ is off the charts. And um, she also said she was going to be fighting Christina Hammer. In April. 
She's ready. She said she mentioned she was excited to do that fight. I mean, I can oh, imagine. Yeah. I mean, she's eager. She's very eager. She she likes proving people wrong. She says there's a lot of people that think she's gonna lose because Hammer's a taller fighter. Um, she's she's very excited about the fight. I mean, she she expressed a lot of emotion about what's coming up, and uh, she can't wait to 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 see her and to see a Hammer across the ring. Now, one thing about Clarissa Shields um, is that I agree with you. Her boxing IQ is very, very high. She She's always posting on Twitter uh, live when the fights are going on. Either she's watching them live or she's watching them on TV. Um, she's watching all the fights. She seems to be a, a big student of the game. But, but also she comes off very, uh, to some, she comes out, you know, with the whole greatest woman on, uh, of all time, um, and, and, and some of those statements that she makes, being that she's so young, she's in her early 20s, um, she's sometimes supported certain certain actions that other fighters or other fight people have done that have not been popular. Um, but when, did you, when you got to sit with her one-on-one, does she come across as she comes up across on social media, or does she seem to be more, more down-to-earth, so to speak? She's a very down-to-earth person. She's very, um, she says it's on her mind. She's a very respectful person, uh, but she's very earnest in what she says. She doesn't hide things, uh, and she, she's not, um, she's not what people think she is. I mean, she, she's just a very uh, young, energetic fighter who, who knows what she wants and is very confident. Um, I, uh, I've always said as soon as she got out of the Olympics, I projected that she really could be the greatest fighter of all time. I mean, she has all the tools. She's still learning the, the, the pro game. Pro game is so different, and she'll tell you. She'll tell you. She'll be the first to tell you that she's learning the pro game. She has a new trainer in John David Jackson. She actually moved from Michigan to Florida. Now she lives in Florida. And that's where she trains, and that's where she lives. And uh, she she's also made some big strides in uh, trying to to be able to fight pro style and and just win all the titles. She wants to fight as many as she can. She she does say she wants to fight Cecilia uh, Brockus. That's her her. She feels that's the best fight out there. Well, yeah, because I mean, as of right now, she doesn't. There isn't really a, a a signature fight out her out there for her. A fight that could possibly put her, you know, on the other side of 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 the popularity. Of popularity, you know, she could be Christina Hammer, but Christina Hammer really is not known in the United States. She's a a fighter from from Kazakhstan as well, but fights out of Germany. She's very popular in Europe. But in the United States, she's only fought once. Nobody really knows her. I don't know if that's like a signature win for Clarissa Shields. So to a certain extent, it might be the Cecilia Breakhouse fight. But in her article, in your article, you do, uh, you did write that she stated that the lowest she can go for that fight is 154 pounds. Uh, yes, that's the, that's the lowest. She's at the 160 now. She just got adjusted to it. It took her a couple of fights to get adjusted. So, but now she's, she's very comfortable. She has a good diet. She knows exactly how to get down to 160. Now, 154, she'd have to starve. And she says that below that is impossible. 
which is just too, too, too big to, to be 137. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So Clarissa Shields, I mean, it has not been made official, but it looks like she'll be facing Christina Hammer sometime in early April. Another fight that was also um, announced this week uh, for the near future is Areli Muncino, the WBO flyweight champion out of Mexico, will be traveling to the United Kingdom to London. Or I believe I don't remember if it's London, but I know it's in the United Kingdom in England to to defend against the interim WBO champion Nicola Adams, and that's and that's set for March eighth. So a very interesting, you know, Adams is not with Eddie Hearn; she's with Frank Warren. But quite interesting that I'm sure that Frank Warren had to offer quite a bit of money for the for the defending champion come out out of her uh, home of Mexico and fly all the way to the UK to defend that title. That's a good matchup. I really like that matchup. Uh, Adams hasn't really fought the really, really tough girls, um, but, she, but she is talented. And she's an Olympian. Uh, she knows that she's doing she a lot of speed. But now she's got an experienced Mexican fighter who's a world champion. And I think that's a good matchup. It's a great matchup, and I think, and I agree with you. I mean, we have Adams, who has less than 10 fights, fighting a fighter in Mocinho, who not only is the current WBO champion, but she's held every other title in the 112 pounds. She's held the WBC. She's held the IBF. She's held the WBA. She's faced some of the biggest names in the sport in her division, and she's willing to go out there to um, to England and defend her title. So that's going to be a great fight. I'm sure it's going to be streamed somewhere, and that's coming on March 8th. And I'm hoping... And I'm hoping that um, we could get Mucinho on the show, possibly for our next show, because I think that if we wait for the second show of February, it will be too late, and she'll be on her way to um, to uh, to England. So I'm going to try to get her on the show uh, on February 7th, which is our next show of the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. So with that said, we're going to move on to the upcoming calendar. Uh, the last couple of weeks that we've been on the on the air, the uh, the calendar has been a little bit light, but now it uh, it picks up a little bit with the uh, new year already hitting its stride, and with uh, plenty of fight cards happening and us moving into February. But starting tomorrow night in Santa Fe, Argentina, uh, Evelyn Bermudez. Uh, will be defending her IBF 108-pound title against Luisana Bolivar. This is a title that she just won, I believe, if not a month ago, about a month and a half ago, and she's already defending it. This fight's going to be in Argentina, and it's going to be televised in Argentina. So Evelyn Bermudez, the younger sister of uh, Daniela Bermudez, who is the WBO 118-pound uh, champion, uh, is defending her IBF 108, and there is another Bermuda sister who is also going up the ranks, and that plays into another story that we're going to touch in a little bit because they're fighting for – it's going to get interesting in the next year or year and a half uh, with the story that I'm going to share with you in a little bit. Same, same thing tomorrow night, Glasgow, Scotland, Hannah Rankin, who was the last opponent of – Clarissa Shields is coming back after that loss, and now she'll be fighting an eight-rounder at 160 pounds against Eva Vajic in Glasgow tomorrow night. 
in Montreal, Canada on Saturday, uh, another light flyweight, Kim Clavel, will be moving on and, and facing Luis Elena Martinez, looking to uh, add to her undefeated record versus uh, same thing Saturday night uh, from the Municipal Auditorium. We spoke to the co-promoter of the night tonight in Rod Cruz Hunt, uh, Alejandra Ayala, who is from Mexico City, but fights out of Chicago now, and it's, it's he. She is trained and managed by Rick Ramos, who trains and manages Jessica McCaskill. She'll be fighting again in Tijuana. She's fought the majority of her fights here in Tijuana, and she's going to be fighting Denise Castro in an eight-rounder at welterweight. And Aida Satibaldinova will be fighting a fighter to be named. It wasn't in the schedule, but I'm sure she has an opponent. Uh, because, but he just he didn't mention who the opponent was, right, Rod? No, uh, didn't. And then there's a couple other fight, uh, female fight car, uh, fights on that card. Now, just like a couple of weeks ago, Sanford began their uh, season, their 2019 season, and the Azteca Channel, one of the two biggest uh, networks in Mexico, started their 2019 boxing season with a female fight. Televisa, which is the bigger network in Mexico, is starting their season this Saturday night with the female fighter as well. And it's very interesting because from the Lienzo Charro in Ciudad Guzman, right outside of Guadalajara, Promociones del Pueblo on Televisa is going to give us Victoria Torres against Jacet Noriega and a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver Super Flyweight title. Now, there's going to be a preview of this fight tomorrow on the PriceFighters.com. But the reason that is some that is so interesting is because Victoria Torres is the younger sister of Ana Maria Torres and Silvia Torres. So if oh. you guys know female boxing, Ana Maria Torres is a legendary Mexican fighter who was in those wars with um, Jackie Nava, world champion. Then she has a other sister by the name of Silvia Torres who had a great amateur career, goes pro and captures the interim WBA life flyweight title. So she is an ex-champion as well. She ended up losing the title, but she did win her fight back last week or a couple weeks ago on the Azteca channel that we mentioned at, in the fight results. And now this younger sister is going to be fighting for a piece of the WBC. It's going to be the silver title, but that puts her in a spot where she could be challenging for the 115-pound title. So that will be the first triple triplet sisters obviously they're not triplets but the three uh, uh you know a, a group of three sisters who at one point or another win world titles Ana Maria Torres Silvia Torres also a former champion and now Victoria Torres is looking for her shot but in Argentina you got three sisters as well that are looking for the same thing which are the Bermudez sisters Daniela Evelyn already champions WBO 118 pounds for Daniela IBF 118 for Evelyn, and then the other sister, I forgot her name, but she's another Bermuda sister who's always is also going up the ranks. So let's see who gets there first, David. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, I know that there was some uh, uh, controversy over the fact that uh, Evelyn, uh, is Evelyn the one that beat uh, Lupe Bautinas? Yeah, she beat Guadalupe Bautista. Bautista, yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of controversy over that fight. They thought that uh, the Argentine judges uh, gave it here when they thought that the Mexican fighter, and I'm talking about non-Mexicans are making this claim. 
that uh, that won the fight. Uh, the actual title holder. Yeah. So yeah, there was it was it was controversial, but at the end of the day, I mean, she still holds the title, and she's going to be defending it this Friday night. Now, another note with that said is that Ana Maria Torres, the older of the Torres sister and the legendary Ana Maria Torres, says that although she doesn't have a date and she doesn't know if she's going to do it or not, she's running, she's running, and she's thinking of a comeback, David. She hasn't fought since 2012. Wow, that's a long way Yeah, long that's uh, way. Seven, seven, seven years, seven years. But, Is it really that um, long? No, last time she fought it was 2012, and she says that she doesn't know if it's going to happen or not, that she's still, you know, moving it over, but that at least she's training, and she's losing the weight, and she's, and she's, and she's running, um, but, you know, it, everything can happen. Yeah, her last fight was in, uh, 2000, March of 2012, uh, and she beat, uh, Maria Andrea Miranda, uh, in that fight, and she hasn't fought since. So, obviously, Jackie Nava came back from a, not that long of a layoff, but somewhat of a layoff, and now perhaps Ana Maria Torres at, you know, 39 years old. Uh, it's actually her birthday is going to be tomorrow. She's thinking of maybe making a comeback. Um, in, now, that's a long layoff, but we're going to talk about even a longer layoff in a little bit. Um, also, on Saturday, from... From Managua, Nicaragua, the WBA 150-pound champion, Ana Gabriels, will be defending her title against Sarah Dwyer. Ana Gabriels, uh, her claim to fame is she's the only fighter who has sent Clarissa Shields to the canvas in a pro in, in any fight. Because I don't think Clarissa Shields ever went down to the canvas as a, uh, as a, uh, as a amateur. So Ana Gabriels also as well. So this weekend we have two of Clarissa Shields' former uh, opponents go- coming back after losses to the current WBC and what is she WBC and what other one uh, 160 pound WBA, champion WBA, and IBF as well. Uh, IBF, IBF. Yeah, yeah. WBC, IBF, so WBF. Yeah, yeah, that's an IBF. And now on Sunday, January 27th, from the Avalon in Hollywood, California, 360 promotions, Tom Laughlin's outfit, I believe on Facebook, will be giving us the main event between Maricela Cordejo, yeah. who is going down to 154 pounds after challenging for a 168-pound vacant title. And she'll be fairy, facing Aaron Tuffhill in an eight-rounder. Oh, yeah. and, and there's a little bit of controversy there because Aaron has not fought since... Now, you thought seven years was a long layoff, David. This is a nearly 13-year layoff, David. Yeah, I know it, I, I know Aaron Towell. I've actually saw two of her fights in person. And um, she actually moved from boxing to MMA. So mm. she, fought, she fought about 14 fights or somewhere close to that in MMA. So she's been fighting. She's actually a pretty tough uh, boxer. She she actually fought uh, Leila Ali, and Jackie uh-huh. Fraser hide. So you know she's fought some tough girls. So yep. mm-hmm. there's a little concern by Maricela Cornejo's camp because they know she's got that uh, resume behind her. Erin does, and she knows how to fight. She's been in MMA. She's always been in shape. She has a gym in uh, Huntington Beach an MMA gym. 
but she wants to come back to boxing and try it out. Uh, and it's an interesting matchup. It's going to be one of those fights that uh, you, you got a lot of questions. Uh, Maricela is dropping down two divisions. Uh, she just is coming up a loss. She's trying to see if she can fight at 154. And then you have Aaron Tohill, who's been away from boxing for over a decade, but in the MMA, and she wants to see if she still has her boxing skills. Yeah, and um, I mean, and the thing, Cornejo, I mean, she's going down to 154. She changed trainers once again. Um, she, she tends to change trainers quite, I mean, ever since I she's been on the boxing radar, she's had uh, what, Yukita, um, from from over there in uh in Mandela. LA, yeah, and then yeah. she went over to Joel Diaz out in the desert, and now she's over here. I think she's with uh Marvin Samudio of uh, the Wild Card fame, and I I, I believe she he's gonna be in that corner. Obviously, she's not with Golden Boy anymore. She's fighting under the 360 Promotions banner. I don't know if she signed to them or not, but she's gonna be. Um, no. Headlining this fight, she's very popular in the LA area, not in the boxing, oh, yeah. in the female boxing world, but very popular in the LA area. So she's gonna have a oh, big yeah. fan base there. Aaron Tuffield, it's gonna be a good fight. I'm sure you're gonna be there, David, for it, and we'll be oh, talking yeah. about it. We'll be talking about it on our next show, which is set for February 7th. So there is some stuff going on this uh, last, next couple of weeks. Well, actually, this, this all these fights are happening this weekend. Um, Evelyn Bermudez defending a 108-pound title in Argentina. Anna Rankin coming back in Scotland after the loss to um, to uh, Clarissa Shields. Kim Cavell still fighting and staying undefeated in Canada. Alejandra Ayala and Aida Santibanova here in Tijuana. Victoria Torres, the younger sister of the Torres uh, clan, looking to catch uh, a regional title. Anna Gabriel defending her WBA 154-pound title. And Maricela Cornejo making her debut at 154 pounds. It would be very interesting if she looks really good in that in that weight, faster, maybe hits a bit harder, maybe uh, Aaron Tuffield gives her a good fight. But then the the 150-pound division opens up for Maricela Cornejo. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think it's a good move. Um, I wondered if she can make that weight because I, I thought she was very uh, pretty decent shape at uh, 168. And... Uh, but she, I saw her yesterday. She looked pretty healthy. Uh, of course, she's not fighting, and she's not actually at 154 now, but but she still looked pretty good. She looked a lot thinner, and uh, we'll see. I'm excited to see what happens. Now, at Super Welterweight, just to go over the champions real quick, we have in the WBA, like we mentioned, Ana Gabriels from Costa Rica. Uh, she's a WBA champion. The WBC champion is in Poland. Her name is Ewa Petakowska. And then the IBF is Marie Eva Eve Dikari, who has actually beaten Alejandra Ayala a couple of times, undefeated at 14-0. Yeah. And then there's the WBO, which is vacant. Knowing Maricela Cornejo, her connection to the WBC, more than likely she'll be going after that WBC title. So 12-1, Ewa Piatkowska, only four knockouts. So that is a fight that can happen, but I'm pretty sure that Cornejo would have to go to Poland to challenge for that title. I don't think there's a promoter in the United States that can lure her to the United States. Uh, I believe that she would be popular in Poland. Yeah, I think a lot depends on this fight coming up on Sunday, how she looks, how the opponent looks, 
if she can really attract a, another promoter, she can get some big backing. I mean, we have the zone out there, we got top rank out there, um, and maybe even Tom Loeffler himself with three sixty promotions. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's a pretty eventful fight for her. Uh, it's a make or break, I think, uh, in terms of a career for her. Oh, well, I shouldn't say that because it's just one fight. But if she looks spectacular, who knows? Well, there you have it. So our next show, February 7th here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jets look at Female Boxing World. David, why don't we say our goodbyes? So long, everybody. Have a good weekend. See you later, Felipe. All right. Have a good night, and we'll see you here again on February 7th. Good night. Good night.